since we in the society have those norms and structure that what is female and what is masculine and what women should do and not. The rules are objective, uh, so we need them for how the relay should be set when it comes to the gender and that should be equal. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Run-In. This week we've got a bit of a special pod looking into gender equality in orienteering and uh, sport in general. Um, actually, mm. we've got several special guests um, joining us from both Britain and from Sweden. Yeah, so we've got Lena Strand, who has been in the Swedish national team for quite a few years now. She was won a silver medal in the long distance back in the World Championships in 2019. She's from quite a big club in Gothenburg, Gothenburg Mayona, uh, done pretty well in a lot of their relays. Um, and we've got Emma Biesmo, who's from your club, Will, after Ludima, yeah. and uh, she's quite a, a much younger member of the team, uh, so of the Swedish national team, so she hasn't been to any World Championships yet, but she did win the middle distance at the world unis back in 2018 and was fifth in the middle distance oh fifth in the sprint as well we we've also got uh cat taylor uh who i think is stuck in uh the uk at the, moment. at the moment yeah yeah and uh, has resides been, in frederickstad yeah exactly but it's been a lot of swedish clubs kind of beforehand so I can kind of say her opinion from that and we've also got meg carter davis as well she also runs for the finnish club ryan rick menti but um you know here to kind of give her opinion about experiences competing and growing up in the uk so having a little bit of uh kind of a comparison i think of the the two and this is all being kind of prompted by discussions going on with the swedish uh orienteering federation deciding on kind of new competition rules that make it kind of equal in terms of winning time um let number of legs night and day and stuff uh, in terms of relays uh which has been proving a little bit controversial shall we say so we thought we'd get sparked some debate <laughs> some debate yes indeed so we thought we'd kind of get some of the main players lena's been one of the main players in kind of promoting this new um these new rules and has uh kind of been organizing with and kind of promoting a instagram uh page um yamstel orienteering that kind of is all about the gender equality so we thought we'd basically get them all together to have a little chat Thanks very much, everybody, for joining us on the podcast. Um, maybe Lena and Emma, you want to start by saying what the situation is uh, has been like in Sweden in, in terms of the gender equality for competitions. Sorry, you, Emma, what you said. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say that maybe you you want to start, Lena, because you've been ah, pretty much involved in this, and I can uh, yeah. give comments. Yeah. Um, well, basically, uh, there there is like a general assumption that. Swedish orienteering are very gender equal and uh, you can see it in in many of uh, of our ways of doing stuff like individual elite uh, competitions are more or less uh, equal with uh, uh, the long distance being as long for both men and women and yeah just as an example um, but uh, that the discussions went on again is because there are still stuff that aren't 
uh, gender equal, like the uh, club relays uh, with the team as an example, uh, where five women are uh, requested for a team, but 10 men. And also all this about the uh, night orienteering and everything that are, is the history of Timila that's just for men and not women. So it's, yeah, a quick summary. Uh, that's, the, <laughs> that's the basics about this uh, discussion at the moment. So kind of all of you, what, what would you like to see change about particularly these uh, club relays? Yeah, I, I would just want to say, like, I think the way that I notice it like most clearly is that when you go from like when we are kids and juniors and everything like that, um, I would say the participants are pretty similar. Like the classes are, yeah, quite the same size. And then when, when we turn out to be like last years of juniors, like 20 or something, and people usually start school at the same time or like university and stuff, then it's very obvious that, um, the D20 class, at least in Sweden, is just more or less disappearing because all of a sudden people have other things to do. And of course, that is allowed. Everyone has a choice, but it doesn't happen on the, on the men's side. So it has also to be something about how, yeah, how our sport is kind of constructed and make the girls leave and the guys to stay. Um, and I think the relay question could be part of it because the men are needed in a team whereas the girls are like yeah if if they're not needed then you don't feel the same yeah energy boost of staying in the club and yeah that's an example but I think that's a very thing that makes it very obvious that it's not not equal because somewhere we lose girls and I think um, that's also very good measurement to see in a couple years time if you do change it and it happens to be that these classes are yeah, staying as big as they were before university starts or whatever happens. Um, that's kind of a, a sign that something has happened too. Yeah, so all of you have raced in, you know, different Scandinavian clubs. Do you therefore think like, is there more emphasis placed on the men's team than the women's team? Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Kat. Yeah, sadly, yeah. Um, I just want to say first, though, that um, the thing about participation and women in sport, it's not it's not just an orienteering problem. And it's not it's definitely an international one as well. Like I know where I grew up, like there was this age, I think it was about 14 and suddenly no one, no one wanted to do PE. Before that, we were all sort of getting mucking into, you know, whatever we were doing with sport. But after that, it was just like, no, we don't do that. <laughs> And it, it was such a, it was such a kind of, a, it's the, it's a cultural thing, and I think it's a bit, a kind of a much wider problem. But in orienteering, it's been, it's been quite clear a lot of the time that um, we just, we just miss out on a whole kind of layer of what the sport is about, and it's kind of the, you know, the the women or the girls sometimes it's, it's called it it's kind of added on to what the men do and it's sad like I mean it's very it's varied a lot I've run with some you know people who are really forward thinking and and really keen on um equality and women who really want to run at night as well and quite often I turn up tonight but um other times like you feel as though like I mean you're not not welcome but it's just like oh you're here too but you're kind of there but are you really kind of 
doing the same as what the men do it's, it's so different yeah and I've found that kind of across wherever I've wherever I've been I've lived in quite a few places and it's uh, yeah it's quite sort of consistent feeling <laughs> but yeah women doing night it's kind of like a an extra thing that you can do if you're really keen but like you know it's not it's not made for you <laughs> whereas it's kind um, of expected of the guys oh yeah well you have to <laughs> like it's the most important thing you do all week go to the night training so yeah can anyone else relate on our training camps emma for leading a that's definitely how the training structured as well i think isn't it of the night training in the evening it's right guys you've got an aim you've got a session to go and do and it's the girls can come along if you want to but it's almost like a set even a section of the whole training camp is dedicated just to the men and not the women right, Lena, you've been nodding can you relate um yeah uh of course and i mean like if you look into the elite clubs um of course the the women act professional and try to do specific trainings for the big relays and then we don't do night even though uh that would maybe be good for our technical orienteering development and stuff and it would also be much better for our camp program during winter time <laughs> but um yeah, it's it's like we 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 train for what we should compete in, and that also sets our frames. And we learn to we learn to maybe like and then also dislike night orienteering uh, in general. And uh, that's why there also can be a problem if you ask all of our uh, the women runners at the moment, do you want night or not on Tiemila? I guess. I, I have no idea, but many says they want it as it is because that's normal because that's what we are used to. And uh, yeah, so I think it's many things that it's an easy way to solve this by just asking all the present runners, what do you want? <laughs> uh, but with the history of norms in sports, it's not as easy to do that. Mm. It seems to be so so much of a tradition that it's going to take something big to make that change. I guess sometimes I guess you have to you have to make big changes for them later to be reflected in changes to the clubs. But I think you know, are you saying that clubs should also be supported if now they have to invest in ten women instead of five women for their that Tia Mila team? Yeah, because like in, in Sweden, we have also seen um, now in some statistics that in those ages from like uh, late uh, youth uh, up to what is it, women, men, 40, 45, there are rather equal amount of members in each clubs. Um, but on those big relays, you can really see that there are a much more bigger difference in participations. Like there are much more men participating than women, but there are actually many more women present in this, uh, in this case, Swedish orienteering. Mm. So we have started to ask why don't more women participate? And then we have seen maybe it can be connected to that only five are requested in every club so the women maybe don't learn that they want or is needed for the competing so they do 
other stuff to stay at home and run an open course in a local competitions or I don't know. Uh, but it's, I think it's sad that we don't, I mean, Team Mila could really grow. They could, get, it could be much more bigger competition if more women uh, that actually are in orienteering at the moment would also take place on the competition. Yeah, I guess it's the difference between membership and then active membership. So if women choosing to do a shorter course or they will just go, if they're maybe a bit older, they just go around with their kids or something like that. Does anyone else have any thoughts about like why maybe the, if the membership is the same, people aren't doing the relays? Because I know certainly in the UK, you know, we have, there are almost always fewer women's teams in our uh, British championships than men's teams in our British championships. Yeah, um, one thing I thought about with um, the UK, for example, I mean, I don't think we haven't got any um, big relays, really. I mean, we've got the Harvester, but it's not got 20,000 people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, You'll be lucky to get 200 people, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I think actually one of the places where I see the most inequality in Britain is actually in the GB team without trying to be um, controversial. But like a lot of the time you see the women's team sizes are smaller than the men's and I mean I I was a um when I was trying to go for Jaywalk back in 2014 I was like borderline um going to be selected for the team or at least I figured that out after the selection races and but then they only selected three women and six men and it's like I don't know you see that quite often they're just not filling the women's places in the teams and I think that really um can be demotivating I mean, someone who would take the opposite view would say that's because the women aren't would would get put off if they did get selected and they did really badly. So we're only going to take the ones who are ready. But then that doesn't really help solve the issue. Yeah, exactly. Like you need those opportunities for development. And like if you're not giving if you're taking an empty space instead of a person, that's a lot of people demotivated. It's not just the sixth space in the team. It's the um it's like all the people who are reserves and all the people backing up behind that, they just like lose that thing to aim for. And I was going to say, I don't think doing badly has ever put me off. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is the thing. Like people are assuming that taking your, you know, sixth person on the team and they don't do very well is not going to, is going to impact them negatively instead of thinking about it positively in that, it gives them some international experience. It can inspire them by seeing their teammates do well or do better and then, you know, have that positive impact. Because I think there's certainly a lot of people need a good amount of international experience before they're able to perform well and, and understand how the competition is different to a, a national one. So also making the assumption that the men's team won't screw it up, which we definitely do more than the women's team, so... Yeah, just inherent. But I think Meg as well. The it, does it come? Does that come down to the fact that we need an even number of athletes per gender in the squad? Because I think even in the wider squad, there's more men selected than women. At, I think for both the junior and the senior level. So does it just need to be a cut off of right? This is the even number, and if you're out, you're out, and you're in, you're in. And yeah, or I think maybe just accepting that um, at the moment the kind of similar level in. I don't know, the depth in the playing field between men and women isn't the same kind of thing. And maybe just accepting that for now and just still taking more women for now 
well, like, you know, all, all the time we should have equality, e equal access to opportunities. Well, like one of the things I've noticed is when we go on training camps and sometimes there's only a couple of women doing the training because a few are out with injuries or a few are doing something else. Or like some people are only focusing on sprint and some on forest. So you've got only this very small pool of women training together and there's a much bigger group of guys training on the same day. And it's, it's just, um, you just don't get the same benefit from that as you would if you had a bigger pool of girls. I mean, obviously, the Swedish point of view on this may be a bit different because you have much more people doing the sport than in the UK. Like, are there, do you have similar things in Sweden, Emma or Lena? Yeah, I'm trying to think. <laughs> like, um... Presumably, you'd still fill all the, the places in the squad because you have enough people to, to do that, right? Yeah, but I would also say like on the national team, team camp, yeah, it is like that. But I would say on the club level, I'm, I'm just trying to think a bit wider than just my own club but when I'm trying to think about the like the biggest clubs in Sweden and even the smaller ones I just like and, and thinking about like going away on a on a camp with the club like abroad somewhere um it feels like it's always more men but it's just like I'm, I'm taking it from the clubs I'm having in mind now that either because I don't know the girls are doing other stuff or having school or are not doing the priorities to go but also because there are I don't know really the reason or if I'm just and I don't really know my source about what I'm saying now either but it just feels like uh, it's less girls going away on caps and I could for sure be due to the I don't know the team atmosphere um, that you could do your training at home because maybe you are doing it mostly for your own sake or I don't know I haven't thought about it so much actually. Well there's more you know you're less likely to go away because you're maybe doing other work or you're less likely to have that that time to be able to take off I wonder um I want to kind of bring the subject around something else Lena you said earlier about your long distance your winning times being equal on that in certainly in the individual scene um that's not a thing in the UK yet uh for our long distances um but was that quite a recent change that happened yeah, it changed uh, just five years ago, uh, I think. So it's quite kind of a, a new uh, rule. And it was like in the individual disciplines, it was the same running uh, time set for sprint and middle, um, but not that long. Uh, of course, it's maybe because it was the same in international. and But we have seen that in Sweden is like historical orienteering country. So we... <laughs> I've also said maybe it's the Swedish uh, orienteering that have set the frames also for international, like historically. But uh, it was uh, a proposal that came into the Swedish Orienteering Federation about uh, making them equal because it's like a lot of about what is a long distance. Uh, I mean, many guys has a lot of things happening the last 20 minutes because then a 70 minutes long distance in, is another kind of discipline than a 90 minutes long distance. Again, when before they, um, they changed, it was a, of course a discussion and uh, many girls said that I don't, why I don't want to run 90 minutes, it's much more tougher. But of course we have only trained for 70, so of course then it's tougher with 90. But now you can see it's not a difference. It's not like less girls are running the long distance um so it's not about that it's just about the frames that are set we are like adjusting to them so i think they are really important 
and that was changed mm. yeah even though the international uh, scene it's it's much shorter for women so is that strange running longer in Sweden than you would internationally well for me it's just uh, I mean we are kind of a small group that are <laughs> affected about about this um, difference uh, but I don't think it's I mean it's easier to to go back to 70 uh, than maybe go up to 90 but I don't think that's a that's a question but of course I think it's uh, important that the International Orienteering Federation makes a change as well but of course that could also be that the men's race the men's long distance is 70 minutes as well uh, I mean it's not if that is what international long distance is because I know that the International Orienteering Federation said that um, uh, it was no time for the TV broadcasting if the long distance should be 90 minutes as well. Uh, yeah. But then you have decided that the men's, it, there is place for the whole men's race, but not the women's if you increase it. So yeah, then we have a problem actually. If that's the way we are arguing about this, I think. Yeah. Anyone wants to add anything on that, Kat? Um, about the long distance? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I sort of have the same kind of thoughts that I just I feel like we do miss out on on not only the the extra minutes that make it tough physically but it gives it gives more scope for exciting long distance challenge if if we're allowed maybe two or three more you know four more kilometers on the course it's it can change you know it can change the whole thing like if we can have like two really big decisive long legs instead of just kind of one that's not actually that long anyway it's uh, I think it can make a big difference and yeah uh, frustrating that the they would use uh, television as an excuse to to kind of keep things just as they are just because it's easy and actually I feel like it's kind of the same with the big relays as well I was trying to think what kind of counter arguments people would come with about running some night at Tiamilo and and I think people say oh but we're too busy like commentating on the men's race we can't have two at the same time that's that's just crazy and I think it does give challenges but I don't think it's enough of an excuse to just keep things as they are just because it's it's easy I think I don't think it should be an option well, what is the historical yeah. reason about the difference? Is it that women can't deal with running for 90 to 100 minutes? No, I, I've got no idea. Does anybody else know? Is it, is it down to the planning in orienteering in general? The fact that there's, I'd say probably most planners in orienteering are men and that the women's course becomes a bit of an afterthought. And I think probably nine times out of ten at the British champs, the women run the same course as the junior men elite. So is there a problem there in terms of they're just the, the women's course and the men's elite, the men's junior course is stuck on the same one and there's no dedicated female course given to have its own priority there. So even at that level and then the junior levels as well, where um, probably the British champs relay, the men's short relay, I think is the same as the women's premier. So it's almost like just kind of like you're saying, kind of tacked on and... It's not so much about the distance, but the running time. Like, that's what counts in orienteering. That's how you compare, you know, different ones. We're not saying it needs to be 11 kilometres. We want it to be this many minutes, I think. But 
uh, yeah, maybe that's the reason. Well, I don't know if this is a thing in Sweden, but certainly in the UK, the differences in some of the junior courses, like the 14-year-olds, 16-year-olds, the boys are running much further than the girls. Definitely when they're 16, they're on completely different courses. And when they're 14, it's meant to be the same difficulty. But often the boys run maybe a kilometer further and just because of that extra distance their course is more difficult even though they're meant to be the same and it just has like a big big gap that I think maybe has a knock-on effect you know there's that cumulative effect and I think it doesn't really make that much sense when your girls are also developing earlier than your boys. So to have the boys run so much further, you know, it could be at age 16, they could be running three kilometers further on a race where, you know, maybe a five, there's a one that's four kilometers and then the girls are running four kilometers, the boys are running seven. That seems to be a, a very, very big difference that annoys me a lot. Is there, is that like any comments on that or what people think? I guess you, that's an example how you set the standard of uh, gender differences in really early age and uh, in an age that you definitely not <laughs> need to to do any exceptions. Uh, I think it sounds crazy with those really huge differences. Mm, so people think it's okay that the women do shorter winning times and easier courses or something like that. And for me, that sounds a lot uh, that there really exists a lot of uh, gender assumptions uh, from those course planners, uh, coaches, uh, leaders, I don't know, um, and probably also by the boys and girls themselves um, when they are like put into this uh, system. Uh, because I think what you always got to remember in this question is about this uh, sports history. The men set the norms a uh, long time ago and a lot of stuff has changed, but it's going sometimes slow <laughs> with, with some stuff. And uh, so, so often you also like use your own feelings that... Maybe as a girl, you've heard that you run slower, you're not as strong as the boys. So then, of course, you maybe also, uh, yeah, on competitions, you get those uh, shorter uh, courses. But when you also get to decide yourself, maybe on club trainings where there are optional uh, courses to choose from, you still choose the short one because you have socialized into uh, learning that this the shorter one is for you even though you are uh, like much more grown up than your 15 year old friend who is a boy um yeah meg cat obviously you were you know you were juniors competing in the uk with the boys doing a lot further what did you think of it at the time yeah, I think at the time I, I was a bit like surprised by how much further the boys were going. And, you know, it's, it's actually, I, I remember being kind of annoying, like the boys complaining about their distance and you're like, oh, well, I've got four or five K kind of thing. Um, but I think, I don't know, for me, the um, more annoying thing is now not having the equal distance because it's just the challenge is totally different to, for, like, 
a 70 minute winning time is just a bit longer than a 60 minute Welsh league for example like you don't really need to even take a gel or I mean you, you know you, you can take one but you can probably get around without them um, whereas the boys is much more of a um, endurance challenge and you don't have like that same kind of mental and physical fatigue in the race and obviously it's it would be scary to maybe extend it up to 90 minutes maybe we should like do it gradually in the UK like Sweden have done um, I think that would be really cool to see but um, the junior boys for example they have to go from these even though it's quite long 7k as an M16 or um, you know they have longer courses than us but still the jump up to M21 is massive as well and if they can deal with it then the girls can too kind of thing like sure you have to go through quite a few races where you're bonking and running out of energy and get used to that but that's the challenge of it yeah and I, th- I think I just want to make a comment like I was <laughs> actually going from junior to senior the year they changed the rules so I went from having a winning time of 50 minutes to all of a sudden Tulva we ran on like 90 hundreds so I was like for like 215 I think for first long distance so I was like yeah it was a bit of progress there in the time but um and yes of course I was I was dying and it was quite many girls I think dying the first years because like Lena said many times we were like put in this frame and we are yeah we learned from the start and adjusted to what was expected from us uh, and now a couple of years later I I don't know I think it's the same amount of people running and we have another type of challenge for, for sure like it, I think it's a big difference and I love it uh, and everything has to do with just yeah putting yourself into this this new frame where we actually maybe should have been from the start and that's the thing with all changes that is very scary obviously to to do them and probably in the beginning it also will affect like uh, I mean for example if Tia Mila would make a major change of course the first years maybe would be um, look look bad on, on the paper or like in the amount of people joining or but we have to look a couple of years in the future and I also think that's important if you like send a I don't know, a questionnaire or something to at least to both ask um, like now, like what are you willing to do or would you like to do a uh, night leg or whatever? Because I think to ask now and also ask like five years in the future, could you see yourself doing this? So like five years in the future, could your club invest in having three more girls per relay or whatever? It's a big difference of asking about the future and asking now because here and now you're afraid of the of the changes and they feel big and they feel scary and of course that's allowed to feel that way but that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't make the changes for the benefits in the future for the sport and I think it's very like important to also accept that I mean when you do a change it is scary and it can also turn out being a bit shit in the beginning but we do it because of a good thing in the future. And yeah. Yeah. So we don't yeah. forget the future thing if we would send out the questionnaire or whatever, how you look at it. But think yeah, yeah. Sometimes you've got to make the big changes to, for them, people, people in society almost to kind of catch up. Yeah. Um, do you, um, you know, do the four of you feel like well supported by your clubs and your coaches in that your coaches, have the right understanding of how to coach female athletes 
as opposed to just assuming you're slightly smaller, slightly less strong men. Do they, do you feel supported in that way? I do at the moment. Yeah, I think um, (laughs) it feels a bit weird to talk about kind of things like the race seasons and um, kind of hard training and preparation right now because um, (laughs) it's all all gone a little bit pear-shaped for everyone, I think. But um, I think where I left off before um, everything got cancelled, I think, um, yeah, but it did. I think the more I've gone on the more the more I've realized it it is quite different um I think from for for men and for women just as well as because of of people's attitudes and and maybe that things are made for men and then the women fit in with it um but also because the women's season can look quite different because of the differences in like you can't like the men can't knock out a long race every weekend because it takes so much out of you um whereas you know if you're running 70 minutes it's a bit easier and the, the women can so I think you know quite often the men are almost running a, a completely different sport like physically to what to what we're doing um but I think one of the, I think it's still a big difference kind of when in national teams um and I, I don't want to like I don't want to bash anyone like who's um, helping out because I know a lot of people work you know really hard but I think it, it is kind of exacerbated a little bit when you're underfunded um, as a national uh, team so maybe it's harder for some teams than for others like things things are made for the men and the women we have to kind of fit in um, around those kind of frameworks and I think consistently like throughout when I've been running internationally it's almost been like, oh, what's the problem with the women's team at the moment? There's always something and there's always this feeling that um, the women are more difficult. And uh, <laughs> I don't think it's true. I think it's just we're, doing, we're being asked to do something that's a little bit less natural to, to us maybe than to the men. Uh, I don't, I think, I don't know. It's quite, it's quite another big subject to get into, but um, I think, it's I have noticed that it can be you know and at club level too it's often like oh the, the men are easy you know they just they do everything and act as a team like they should and the women are like a bit more problematic and I don't think it's <laughs> I hope it's not always to do with just me I think it's, I think it must be kind of you know what we're being asked to do we're trying to you know try and fit fit squares into round moles or things like that so Megan, do you did you kind of agree with what Kat was saying? Um, yeah, yeah. Like I don't feel like we had much um, fem- like female education kind of um, sessions growing up in in like any of the junior squads really. Like recently, actually, some of us from the women's GB squad, we've um, done a webinar with some of the Scottish girls to sort of discuss female training and. Um, things around that so I think that's that's a good start but yeah as Kat says like our teams are quite underfunded our national team is um well I mean very much lack of funding <laughs> no, nowhere to be found <laughs> yeah but, um, <laughs> pretty much no funding that'll be yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> so well, we'll switch from one underfunded slash not funded team to a well-funded team. Well, maybe you could disagree with that, but um, a more funded than the UK team is, shall we say. Um, like, do you have the same kind of impact? And maybe in terms of how your coaches are advising you, are we like training loads with hormones and with um, nutrition and things like that? Or do you feel well supported as a female athlete in that regard? Yeah, I, I actually do. I have a good, ex- a good experience, especially in our national team. I mean, Lena has probably, I mean, been part of it longer than I have, but I would say like at least the last couple of years, it's been a lot of, I mean, it's very new, the whole thing with women and training and what happens in your body and new studies and stuff like that. But I think they have really been trying the best to be like updated with facts and stuff. And we can't really expect more than that. Um, I would say like they're trying to understand but, um, and have been like giving us tips of literature. And we had like a lecture on a kickoff camp with a power woman who's a doctor working with this and stuff uh, so I think it's good it's really out there I would say but then it can still be tricky to understand and everything I would say that it's that is good and on a, on a club level I think it's tricky because it's um I think in most clubs it's like indirectly or directly but I think in many cases indirectly more focus on the the men uh, according to team and teams and stuff but that's also because the logistic and everything about the men are obviously a bigger project when it is 10 legs and it's including night and it's including everything and of course that's also a bigger challenge to get everything to work out and then they need more team coaches they need more preparations they need everything of this um but that could also somehow end up being that the girls might feel a bit left over that we just happen to happen and like we sort of stuff and uh, like now i'm generalizing a lot but i mean i think it has more to do with um the structure of the relays uh, also taking the resources to the men then it might actually be a problem that the coaches are preferring the guys over the girls but it kind of ends up a bit like that because they need more than us Mm. um, in the situation so it's a bit tricky to say what's the where the start of the problem kind of but I think it's more to do with the, the structure of the competition than the actual people in the club Okay. At least that's how I experience it. But Lena, do you have anything you want to add here? Uh, I mean, for for me, it's like when you discuss about how we experience it in the national team. I think on on this top level, it's more about the individual themselves, and like each in the Swedish team, each individual gets the question about what do you need and what kind of help. Um, so then it's more or less up to me uh, if I need more like uh, support with the female stuff if you <laughs> if you call it that way uh, so I think I, I also work as a coach for for youth uh, here in Gothenburg um, and I think it's more important in in that age about 16 to 19 that you that you get the the information and just start to to reflect about that the, the female um, uh, part of, of training uh, as Emma said we don't know for sure uh, how the period impacts training but we know that it, <laughs> it uh, it's a difference between men and women for sure with the hormones so I think it's it's important to like 
more work work there and like if you see in in the clubs um we have in sweden kind of uh, those leaders are just they could be parents or older people that have been elite runners themselves or or whatever but they are not educated uh, mostly they have experience from orienteering but they are not not educated and they are mostly men when it comes to elite uh, leaders and then when you don't when you aren't educated you use your own experience and then of course they haven't experienced the the female challenges uh, in in sports um so then they are not it's not normal for them to to ask uh junior girls uh, about what they the challenges they face uh that the guys doesn't uh so i think it's it's really important to, to for everyone to uh to be aware of 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 this part and then of course education is a problem when like in orienteering it's not so much money so <laughs> uh it's uh, m- many unpaid uh, heroes out there that does a lot of uh, for orienteering but then we also get those problems along the way uh, Does anyone want to add anything here before i kind of start wrapping us up with a final few questions uh, yeah i just want to say a little bit more about like because there is starting to be a little bit of research available to to read upon on kind of how how training is different as a woman how you have a a cycle and um of hormones and and kind of everything related to that and um i think it should like it shouldn't be just something that women know about as well like because there are so many male coaches and and also like male athletes as well because i think you can you can sort of tell a little bit who maybe does know more about these things because almost they sort of they have more understanding and almost more respect for you as an athlete if they if they realize kind of um some of the differences and and how you're not just kind of a less successful man (laughs) or in a kind of less successful in a male model that you're kind of operating on a whole different um kind of uh way so i think yeah i think it's a lot of uh it's it's also for men to uh, know about as well <laughs> yeah yeah so they can go right yeah you're feeling much more tired today you've got much less power yeah this is normal you know like you're not like a failure because you're suddenly performing or you're training much differently yeah. to you have been the previous sessions yeah pretty much so they understand why um why you might have kind of completely wildly different response to training on different weeks um yeah and I don't think anyone fully understands especially with orienteering because there's such a because of the mental uh part of it as well like you know I feel as I'm only just learning now how how maybe like from week to week my orienteering level can it can be different and and if it's related to these things or or what's going on so there's a lot left to understand but it should be you know it should be for everyone to understand it yeah yeah almost everybody's nodding here like yeah we've experienced <laughs> this like yeah this is quite normal for like your uh, you know your orienteering to change like week on week anyway let's um bring it back to kind of where we started with Tia Mila. lena what would in an ideal world what would you like to see the the a new setup for Tia Mila 
what would you like to see it like what would what should the competition structure be uh well actually i have no idea because i think there are much more uh, that will impact the future Pimila about uh, which arenas are can, can you use and uh, um yeah there are so many many stuff but i think the what what should come from this is that whatever Timila will look like in in the future uh, it should be it must be equal it's like the the only way because uh, like <laughs> since we in the society have those norms and structure that says what what is female and what is uh, masculine and what women should do and not the rules are necessary to like the rules are objective uh, so we need them to uh, yeah the rules for how the relay should be uh, should be set when it comes to the gender and that should be equal then actually i have no opinion about night or not how many legs it doesn't yeah it's another discussion uh, i see it so I've, I read the response from the, the board from Tiamila and they've said these rules basically give us no creativity. There's no space for creativity in deciding what Tiamila should be. It's far. We, we agree with the rules, but we think um, it, it deprives of us of our creativity. So you evidently would disagree with that, I think, from what you said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do because it's not uh, it's not about creativity or not it's just I mean I I see it as their answer is like it has nothing to do with gender equality I mean it's more that they want to stay as they are and what's creative about that yeah exactly they're not being creative if you're keeping it the same way every time um so if you know all of this goes through the boards, what would you like the next step to be in terms of what Swedish orienteering can do to kind of help gender equality in club provision, in the racing? Is there any more you would like them to do? Uh, no, I think when, when you get the, get the rules that make it clear for what the, what the frames should be, uh, I mean... It's, it's man, much more areas than just the, the club relays, but the discussion is a lot about Timila because it's so many has, uh, can relate to this one and it involves a lot of people in Sweden, but also uh, foreigners, uh, of course. Um, so I think it's also a lot about just putting this again uh, on the topic to... to actually make people orienteers to be aware uh, about gender and how tradition and assumptions and everything how it affects uh, our sport uh, in all in all ages and all formats and all countries i believe um, yeah well said. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for kind of having this discussion. And I, I'm really glad that you were all able to kind of take part and, and have, you know, talk about something that, that needs talking about. Um, and so hopefully then the, the board meeting will go ahead in, in March and we'll see kind of some changes happen 
in the short term and in the long term as well. So thanks very much. It's just a big topic, isn't it? That's the thing. There's some good things like Emma said about, yeah, like like it's scary to do the, to make the change, but ultimately like it has to happen. So yeah, that's true. We were chatting about it in the house beforehand before I jumped on and it's just, it's just even, it's just a societal problem as a whole, right, all the way through and yeah. Well, this was almost what I was trying to get at the end. Like, I wonder if, if just changing it at the top in terms of the competition structure will be enough. Like, this is why I was asking, like, is more needed? Like, is more funding needed to specifically help coach women and deal and and like investigate what are the reasons why women drop out like age 19 20 because i think it's way more than just there are there are less team you know team spots available for the relays like i think it's because we see it in the uk right and we have we have the same number of people in all of our relay teams yeah yeah that's true and I think it came up when we chatted to Pauline um, last time that there is just a a stigma around girls, females, you know, doing sport at 16 mm-hmm. to 18. It's just seen as a group of lads, you know, getting together and messing about the woods um, in orienteering. And how do you solve that problem? And yeah, there's just... I don't think I appreciated it until the last couple of years of yeah, how systemic it is of we don't encourage people to carry on it's not seen as a science norm it's seen as oh there's someone there's a a young adult who's a female out exercising that's a bit odd as opposed to oh there's a group of guys running along that's pretty normal and why Mm. is there that that difference why should there be that difference of a group of girls turning up to do intervals in a park and a group of guys turning up to do intervals in a park one seen as very different to the other yeah i remember being at school and it being odd that i ran you know Mm, or or some girls also ran maybe by the time you know they were wanting to look after their fitness as they got a bit older again actually but they were kind of really on the down low about it they didn't really want to tell anybody that they were running they were quite Mm. secretive about the fact that they did so that's just a really yeah i think that's a typical thing and then it's not a problem orienteering. no well and i don't know if that's orienteering is it already breaks those those stereotypes of oh well it's not very ladylike to go and exercise and get sweaty and muddy like well orienteering you've got to get sweaty and muddy otherwise what's the point um but there's that yeah there's that kind of i think especially in britain there's definitely that thing of oh well yeah you, you can't be seen to be going against the mm-hmm. tropes of going out there working hard getting in the sweat you know looking yeah. a bit grim as everyone looks grim after they finish a hard running session it's impossible not to <laughs> yeah i know but but why it's good it means you've should... tried hard enough come on exactly yeah. like you, it's a badge of honor but it isn't. it's a badge of honor for the guys right and then the yeah. girls go oh i smell or like oh i'm a bit red faced like oh i can't you know because you you don't see people looking like that you see a you know a person a you know influencer and they've supposedly just done a workout yet they're in perfect makeup they're not red they're not sweaty mm. they don't look like they've done anything and then you you have that but then like you know if we could if everybody i think if everybody sat around discussing what in society is wrong that means that girls aren't keeping going with the sport and that they aren't reaching those top levels then you could just sit around discussing it for ages so i think it almost it takes some yeah. it takes a big thing like right let's make 
all of our competitions equal in terms of running time number of legs day night whatever you know let's let's you have to make that big of a change otherwise you could just sit around talking about the society reasons for forever yeah oh well you you have to be the change you want to see Mm. that's the old trope that's the old kind of phrase isn't it and why we even from just a point of we want the women's national team to be as good as possible let's push our athletes as much as possible why would we not want them to run further harder you know have more competition and and push their level like um well it's not but it's not the 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 point is it's not further and harder it is equal with the guys well sorry further and harder than they currently have yeah Yeah, exactly but to an equal level of you're pushing your body to your limit to the same level as a guy is pushing their body developmental wise there's no reason why they should be doing a less less running time and yeah we're not talking about distance here because i think you know we are we're talking the terrain can change so much you don't want to say it's a certain distance because one one day that could be like a really quick running time through some nice southern forest or it could be the same the same distance on some like scottish mountain basically would uh, Mm. absolutely kill everybody (laughs) um yeah so that's kind of why we've done that yeah and no one enjoys racing for 100 minutes the people just suffer less than others like yeah (laughs) i don't want to go and get my ass kicked by olav by 15 minutes in a world cup long race but i've got to do it because that's what i've got to do and it's but it is it's a different style race if you're not going for that that kind of running time so uh i mean you could have a counter of that is that the women are more spread in ability so your your slowest person on that race is going to be much slower than the slowest man on that race but then again we could sit around the cultural and social reasons why that is the case for forever so just go and change something (laughs) that's true well we're going to follow this one i definitely definitely are going to follow this one and um kind of bring everybody up to date with like how it progresses through um the the kind of swedish federation's decision and like what that means for relays kind of ongoing i guess as well so that's pretty much it for this episode uh will you uh have a little bit of a word from our sponsors nv and straight compasses yep do i've been utilizing the nv terra tt recently uh it seems like every man woman the dog the kids the dog's kids have got out during lockdown and churned up all of the paths around me and any off-road loop so i've been uh religiously getting out and trying to use them as much as possible and just find them great for helping me you know get on some softer ground get the grip i need and also help recover with the uh ultra boost foam that they use to increase the cushioning for um you know just to take that bit more of an impact from from when you're running with how minimalist a lot of off-road shoes have got i find that a real benefit to helping when i'm in a bit high mileage so yeah really enjoying them and uh if anyone wants to go out and uh, get some NV shoes, you can contact Mary Fleming, who is the UK distributor, at uh, nvstraight.uksales at gmail.com. That is nviistr8.uksales at gmail.com. You can um, indeed. But that's pretty yeah. much it for this episode. We're not going to have a sprint one in a week's time, but we'll be back in another two weeks with some more chats and uh, finding out about what people are doing in lockdown, probably. I don't know, something like that. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. See you then.